1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ruth.
0: Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting
1: for you
2: with every sunrise. God will still take people with a sordid past and a hopeless present and a bleak future, and redeem us for His glory. Ruth represents all of us. She is a picture of humanity, estranged from God, broken, sinful past, lonely present. She's a picture of humanity.
1: Even though you may have had a rough past and were a broken person living in your own sin, the Lord can and will restore your whole life for His glory. Nothing, not one thing can separate you from the living God that sacrificed everything just to save you. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you to go through life knowing that very thing. Wake up every day knowing the God of the universe who created everything you see and know loves you. And wants to have a deep and meaningful relationship with you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: Deuteronomy 25, verse 5 to 10. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man, okay, this is Ruth in this example, shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son which she bears will succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to take his brother's wife... Then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. And then the elders of his city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot... Spit in his face and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house, and his name shall be called in Israel the house of him who has his sandal removed. Okay, so it was a disgraceful thing, but it wasn't an unlawful thing. You could say, I don't want to do this. You were just, you know, went through this whole uh, rigmarole. Now, what's the deal with removing the sandal? The deal behind removing the sandal is because you're basically saying, the land upon which I trod, I give up ownership of, or I I do not lay claim to. So now give up your shoe to show that. And so that was how the transaction was sealed. So it was a little peculiar, but that's the way it went down. And I read that to you because you're going to see this happen short of the spitting in the face but you will see the rest of it happen here in chapter 4. So with that, let's take a look now here at Ruth chapter 4. It says, now, Boaz went up to the gate, the gate of the city there in Bethlehem, and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Okay, so Boaz just positions himself there at the city gate, which was very common. The city gate was a place where the elders would typically gather. The city gate was a place where often uh, business transactions occurred, but it was also a place where it was uh, somewhat of like a courtroom. The city gate was a place where the elders would gather and settle disputes and arbitrate things. And so Boaz has strategically chosen the city gate for this particular contractual agreement where he's going to corner the close relative, the one who is closest in relation to Ruth and to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, this guy, the close relative, is not named in the story. We don't know who he is. There's no name mentioned. We don't even know particularly the, the relationship that he had, but Boaz knows him. Boaz has already been doing his homework because he knows because he wants to marry Ruth. He's like, I can't marry you until the close relative gives up his right to marry you. And so he positions himself. Boaz does right at the city gate. He knows when the guy's coming by and the guy comes by and he goes, hey, hey, dude. Hey, can I have a conversation with you? Look. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. And so he came aside and sat down. And he, that's Boaz, took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. And so they sat down and then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land, which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. Okay, now this is a very tactical thing that he does here. Boaz is like, he springs it on this guy. You know, he's the, the advantage of surprise. This guy's just coming into town. And Boaz like, excuse me, excuse me, can we have a conversation? And then, oh, by the way, elders, can you all gather here? I want you all to hear this. And so now, like this court of law is assembled. This outdoor court is assembled here. And Boaz says, hey, you know Naomi? Yeah, she kind of came back from Moab. Remember, a little bitter. She wanted to be called Mara. She's getting better. But anyway, she's a widow. She needs to be married. She owns a field. What do you say? Now, In this moment, because this guy is a little caught off guard, and Boaz just presents it as the transaction for a field, Okay, because Boaz is smart, he's only going to talk about the property transaction for the moment. So he says, you know, Naomi, she's got this property, this field, I'd like to buy it, but you're the closest relative, what do you say? He answers there in verse 4, and he said, I will redeem it. Okay, now we don't know if Naomi and Ruth are like nearby listening in on this. If, you know, the whole thing is like staged where they're, they, they're eavesdropping on this. We don't know. I suspect if they were eavesdropping on this, that at that moment when this guy says, yeah, I'll redeem it, like their heart sank because Ruth wants Boaz to marry her. But this guy, this unnamed guy, has the first right of refusal. He goes, yeah, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz said, verse 5, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess. By the way, Moabitess, like she's a Gentile, you know, Moabites, right? Like he's just weaving this whole thing in. You're going to have to also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Boaz lays the whole thing out now. By the way, it's not just a field. You have to also marry Ruth because she's also a widow in the same family here. And then the close relative, the the Goel, the kinsman redeemer said, verse 6, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself for I cannot redeem it. What? Ruin my own inheritance? So Bible scholars believe that this guy probably had grown sons at this point. And that the property and their future inheritance had already been allotted, had already been determined. What this guy realizes is if I marry Ruth and I have children by her to perpetuate her deceased husband's name, which is what they were supposed to do, the close relative, then that's going to ruin what I already have set up with my family. Because if I have children that now have to divide my inheritance, I'm going to ruin my inheritance. Now, listen. You know what this guy wants? He wanted the field until he found out. Oh, I just want the field. I don't want the responsibility of a person. Single people, if you're dating someone who only wants the field and not responsibility for you, kick them to the curb. Okay? There are some people, they're only interested in the field. Do you know what I'm talking about? They don't really want you. Okay. Be discerning. Be wise about that. This guy here's like, oh, what? I, I thought it was a land transaction. I was all in. I, I got to take her. I'm, I'm not really into that. I got to marry her. I got to be committed. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's going to ruin my inheritance. No, no, thank you. I cannot redeem it. Wow. This is a, This whole thing is unfolding. Just like Boaz had hoped. He gets the guy off guard, gets the elders, Puts the guy on the spot. Naomi, come on. You're going to be the, the kinsman redeemer or not? It's like, yeah, I, I like the field. Okay, you got to get the daughter-in-law too. I'm not sure I want all that. So this whole thing is like unfolding exactly what Boaz, the way Boaz wants. Verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal. This is what we just read in Deuteronomy 25. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. And therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. He takes off his sandal. He gives it to Boaz. He knows the way the law is written. It's Deuteronomy 25. It's what I just read. He gives up his right to that field, to that land. And he gives the sandal to Boaz and he says, You buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. Verse 9, And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. So one of the wise things that Boaz did was by having the elders there was that this was publicly witnessed. This was publicly witnessed so that the guy later couldn't change his mind. And so Look, you know, some people, when it comes to, like, marriage, you know, they they have this kind of wild idea, like, you know, why do we need a piece of paper? Let's just, you know, run off into the woods and, you know, stand under a shade tree and exchange our own vows. And nobody needs to be around because, after all, God is watching and that's all we need. And so, like, they just kind of perform their own little You know, ceremony, it's like, wait, wait a minute. There actually is a reason why you should have witnesses for this day. This is a day you stand before God. This is this is a moment when, you know, you want witnesses to to be there. And so he's he's wanting this marriage that he's about to have here with uh, with Ruth to be publicly witnessed. And he doesn't want this guy to go back on the deal. So he's smart about this. Now, the people are standing around there, verse 11, and all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. The Lord, this is the, this is the people speaking, the Lord make the woman who was coming to your house, Ruth, like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. Now, Rachel and Leah were basically the, the matriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, they were the two wives of Jacob. The 12 uh, children of, of Israel descended from Jacob and um, Rachel and Leah uh, gave birth to a majority of, of those 12 tribes. And so these people are like, we want your new house with Ruth to be blessed and prosperous, just like Rachel and Leah. And may you prosper in Ephrathah, which is kind of like the territory where Bethlehem was situated, and be famous in Bethlehem, And may your house, verse 12, be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Um, the story of Perez we won't get into. It's recorded in the book of Genesis. It's kind of an odd um, statement here, to be honest with you, because Tamar... Um, the mother of Perez, she dressed up and pretended to be a prostitute in order to seduce her father-in-law, Judah, and she got pregnant by him. So it's kind of a convoluted story. But the reason why it's probably mentioned here that uh, they hope that his family will be like the house of Perez is because when you look in 1 uh, Chronicles It tells us that the genealogy of Perez and his descendants ended up that Perez was the ancestor of the people of Bethlehem, the Bethlehemites. And um, the genealogical record, if you jump down to the very end of this chapter, look at verse 18. It kind of gives it, it says, now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. So Perez in the day was kind of seen as the the, uh, patriarchal ancestor of Bethlehem, so they pronounce blessing on Boaz and Ruth and like, may God make you prosperous and fruitful and give you lots of kids and God bless you. This is what they're doing publicly. So now look, verse, verse 13. And so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, now this is, remember Ruth's mother-in-law from her deceased husband. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter in law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has born him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom And became a nurse to him. Now, that verse does not mean that she literally nursed uh, the baby born to uh, Obed, born to uh, Ruth and Boaz. You know, she's elderly at this point. Um, The Hebrew word there is aman, it means to support, uphold, or nourish. It is never used in the scriptures for breastfeeding. Um, and, but what it is a statement of is she became like a nurse. Just think of it like, like a, you know, a, I mean, she's, she is the child's grandmother, so to speak, through Ruth. But as like a nanny grandmother who's just loving this child and caring for this child and helping to tend to him. And so that's what that verse means. It doesn't mean anything, you know, unusual. Okay, verse 17. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name. This is kind of interesting. You know, the townspeople named the kid, you know, just like we'd like to name him ourselves. Well, they they named this kid for them and they called his name Obed. Obed in Hebrew means servant of God or worshiper. So it's an appropriate name. But notice he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Okay, in the last few minutes, I just want to tie all this together. And I first want to put this little genealogical uh, chain. We can see what is unfolding here. Ruth and Boaz marry. They have a son named Obed. Obed gets married, has a son named Jesse. Jesse gets married, has a son named David. Okay? The genealogical record here is given for us so we can appreciate this story on multiple levels. Ruth... Is the great grandmother of King David. Now, what is even more powerful about all this is that 27 generations later, Jesus Christ is born from this very line. This is a wonderful story of love and redemption. Think about what God has done here through this story. He's taken this woman, Ruth, a pagan. Gentile woman from Moab, who was the descendant of an incestuous relationship. Okay, the children of Moab were an incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. Ruth's people worshipped Chemosh through human sacrifice. She didn't know God. She didn't love God or worship God. She was widowed, destitute, and hopeless. God took that person, God took Ruth, and he redeemed her life and placed her in the messianic line as the great-grandmother of King David. And 27 generations after King David, Jesus Christ would be born a descendant of Ruth. She's listed, Ruth is, in the genealogical record that leads up to the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. And God will still take people with a sordid past and a hopeless present and a bleak future and redeem us for his glory. Ruth represents all of us. She is a picture of humanity. Estranged from God, broken, sinful past, lonely present... She's a picture of humanity. Now, keep this whole parallel, because here comes Boaz to redeem her, the kinsman redeemer. Boaz is a picture of Christ. Ruth, remember in the story we talked about in chapter 3, what does she do? She lies down at the feet of Boaz. She basically asks him, redeem me. This is a picture of humanity lying down, surrendering at the feet of Jesus, Boaz being a picture of Christ with a desire to be redeemed. And what does Boaz do? He redeems her. What does Jesus do? He redeems us. Charles Spurgeon, the great 19th century preacher, said that Jesus is our glorious Boaz, Let me show you some comparisons as we wrap up the study. Boaz came to survey his field. Remember that? He owned the field. He came to survey his field. Jesus came to survey the earth. Boaz looked out and saw Ruth. Jesus looked out and saw us. Boaz spoke kindly to Ruth. Remember that in the story? He was very tender with her. He spoke kindly to her. Well, Jesus speaks kindly to us. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Do you see the parallels? Ruth found favor in the eyes of Boaz. We have found favor in the eyes of Jesus. That's why he died for us, because he loves us. Consider also, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer to Ruth. Jesus stepped out of heaven, took on flesh to become our kinsman redeemer. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Boaz was motivated by love, by his love for Ruth, not the law. Jesus was motivated by his love for us, not the law. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Remember, Boaz could have refused to be the kinsman redeemer, but the reason he wanted to take Ruth as his wife is because he loved her. This wasn't a legal transaction. Neither was it with Jesus. He loves us. That's why he wanted to redeem us. Also, it cost Boaz something, didn't it? He paid the price to purchase the field and redeem Ruth. It cost Jesus everything. He paid the price to purchase us and redeem us from our sins. 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19 says it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's the price that he paid. A lamb without spot or blemish. And so... In the words of Charles Spurgeon, Jesus is our glorious Boaz. This is a wonderful story of love and redemption. A human relationship that illustrates a divine relationship where God so loves us that he gave his son Jesus as our kinsman redeemer. Amen.
1: Life. We're so glad you chose to spend a part of your day with us. We pray you've been blessed by what you've heard and are motivated to share Jesus with others. We all need the love that He has to offer. In Pastor Gary's verse-by-verse teaching, we hear how Ruth stuck like glue to Naomi's side. She sacrificially gave up everything to love and care for her mother-in-law. Does this ring a bell? It's exactly what God has done and is doing for us. He gave up His Son Jesus on the cross so that we might experience love abounding. What a gift. If you believe that to be true and are ready to take the next step of faith, would you contact us? We'd love to have a conversation with you. Our email is prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Just in case you missed that, it's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We look forward to connecting with you. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear others, hop on over to cornerstoneconnection.cc where you'll find an archive of Pastor Gary's messages. If you're on the go more than not, don't forget to download our mobile app before leaving that page. Again, it's cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thank you again for listening to another broadcast of Cornerstone Connection.
2: That you've got no place to go, but still you know. But still you know you're not alone.